Hello and welcome to Opening the Gates to More Listings for Estate Agents with me, Simon Gates. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Mr. Rob Brady. Rob, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate the invite. So we're speaking uh, offline very quickly uh, before we jumped into this. And I asked you the question, had you listened to any episodes yet? And you said no, because you didn't want to overanalyze, which is great because there's going to be questions coming at you left, right and center. <laughs> and we're going to get the Rob Brady experience as opposed to um, people overthinking what they're going to be saying. So I'm going to jump straight into uh, the million dollar question, right? Let's take you away from where you live now and what you do. You are opening up an estate agent in glorious Newport Pagnell tomorrow, the centre of the universe. <laughs> what What is the first thing you're going to go do to get listings if you went to Newport Pagnell tomorrow? Um, and are we talking that we've set up a proper understanding on what estate agency means to yourselves? Yeah. Um. So that's a tough one because for me... We use different, see, a couple of different strategies I use with a lot of clients out there. And mm -hmm. um, my view is about the value of obviously data out there, but pulling in, going back to removing the old ways of thinking buyers are just useless waste of spaces. It's all about vendors because that's what we look at. If you look at most of and see adverts, it's all about at the moment, uh, free valuation, list, 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 list. We need more stock. We need more stock. And that's the same message. But that's not really a helpful message to anyone out there trying to find it. So I'd be flipping out there and it'd be a case of just trying to register as many people into a database as possible, because the more people you register, the more opportunities you seek, the more conversations you have, rather than on the other side of the fence, sitting there and just trying to find that extra listing and you're just reliant on the stock coming on to find those buyers, et cetera. So for me, I'd be going out there, obviously using whatever technology you can find, but to get people registered into your database and having those interesting conversations. So um, I, th I think we could literally just end the podcast there, to be honest, on saying, you know, actually go and find buyers and help them find their next home. Yeah. Uh, there's so many adverts which just say we need more homes and yeah. no one's you know, going to react to that. There are a couple of things when you said about tech. Um, obviously, you, um, you represent Iceberg and I represent Home Search. Leading into the next question, let's move those two bits of tech to one side. Yeah. What's another piece of tech from... The prop tech world, it could be a Google Chrome extension, it could be a mobile phone app. What's a piece of tech that you think estate agents should be using? I know it sounds a very basic one, but Canva. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because like for me, like I have a lot of clients use Canva. Um, and the reasons why that is, it it gives you ready-made templates, but also the bit that I like about it, it starts to get you brand consistency. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're using the same style types of images. You're using the same style types of colouring, especially when it comes back to um, people starting to associate the colours or the type of artwork with your branding without you slapping your estate logo over it. That's the consistency that comes to it. And I think just from a, a perspective of trying to find artwork, trying to find imagery and that sort of side to it, the convenience of a state agency just to have out there and go, right, I need a Facebook post or I need an Instagram post or I need an Instagram story, I need to do videos. You can go on and go, right, that's a nice ready-made template, change the branding, change the artwork, change the wording, let's go, let's go and create it, rather than going to a creative director agency and spending thousands and thousands of pounds and overanalyzing it and then somewhere down the line, you're like two months later and you still haven't started that 
bit of artwork that you wanted to get out there and and do um so yeah i think very very basic i know a lot of people use it but i think it's a smart little bit of kit out there I, I think you're in the question I just asked. I think you're the first person to say Canva. And when you said it, I was like, yeah, 100%. We have a lot of clients who use it. And the one that's come up a lot is WhatsApp. Um, lots of people have said about that. And they're like, sorry, silence a basic answer. But I'm like, no, no, I think like WhatsApp and Canva are both like absolute golden things to be using yeah. uh, in a state agency today. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I just think it creates a, I've got a big believer in the whole consistency. Yeah. And, having brand guidelines within your company because again if you if you have got uh particular team members that you're reliant on them to post for you and it's not just coming from you as a sole owner which that should be happening because you can't just run everything and anything you'll never release yourself out of your own business if you just go to people i'll just just find a bit of artwork online and just just do a bit of uh font yourself and do just do a bit of color in there Obviously, one, it opens up to use massive copyrights. We've explored that. We, I've, I've had that years and years ago as an estate agency. We had accidentally got into involved within that. But also, you notice it where different fonts, different colorings, all that sort of side to it. So along with, at least when you go to something like Canva, it's very, very simple because you're saying these are the brand colors I've already uploaded. This is the touch of font. These yeah. are all really made templates. Just copy it and change it, especially when you come to doing things like, I don't know, new, new property releases, you start different types of blogs all that sort of side to it there's a great um agent that does this really really well a guy called um, andrew sharp from shore sales and lettings yeah he went down that consistency route and if you look at any of his blog pages three or four months ago he was one of those post an image post an image post an image and then all of a sudden you see that flip into that model so if you go into his branding now if you were to see any of his blogs you'd automatically recognize that that is a shore sales and lettings blog so that's an interesting thing that you say there about immediately recognizing. And I think a lot of estate agents struggle with that word consistency. And something I try and talk to agents about is you've got to try and get a predictable, repeatable, scalable process. Yeah. And you've described that there, whether it's direct mail, whether it's blogs on a website, whether it's social media, you spend some time to get those bits in place. Yeah. And it's it's just building that consistency and putting it in your diary, isn't it? And just on that point, I might get this terribly wrong, and I've probably said it in every podcast episode I record, Rob. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Coca-Cola said with regards to their brand many, many, many years ago, they were like a bottle so distinctive that someone can tell it's Coca-Cola just by touching yeah. the bottle. Um, and when you were saying about a state agency brand, there's an agent in, in my local marketplace where I work with called James Kendall. And yeah, you, James, yeah. Without seeing his logo, you know it's a James Kendall letter um, yeah. or you know it's a James Kendall sort of post. Um, and that's really interesting because you think the amount of direct mail that goes through people's doors, I say direct mail, not even direct mail, just leaflets. And if you remove a logo of the estate agent, yeah. you would have no idea who that is, would you? No, it, it, it's really interesting. You ever, ever come across the mirror exposure effect? The mirror exposure effect. I don't think so. Go on. So, so basically, it's a psychology uh it's called the familiarization um like so what's it called the familiarization <laughs> in um psychology okay and basically what it is is you go to a particular restaurant that you always go to because you know the food's really good yeah you uh you like to choose an old film over yeah a new film because you know what it's going to be like so you're familiar with it so so um, how basically that familiarity side to it, how it works in the brain, 
Um, if you look at that in marketing terminology and what they looked into that, that talks about how many times a person is exposed to a brand without the brand being too silly to them. Yeah. And that's what Coca-Cola look into. So that plays onto the part of if Coca-Cola puts out enough pieces of glasses, it's got the refreshing drip down the side of it on a hot summer's day. What it does, it's without it going buy a Coca-Cola and it's the advertiser based around that, the psychology gets imprinted into the brain to go, when you want to come and you're on a hot summer's day, you think, yeah. oh, I need, a, I need something really, really thirst quenching. You automatically think of that drink. Uh, so if you look at the exposure sediment to that, in the early 2000s, they did marketing studies around this. And they said, on average, it takes four to five times before someone is exposed enough to a brand that they feel like confident enough that they can feel they can reach out to that company, but not necessarily buy from them. So I want to find more information about you. Yeah. Obviously, with the informational uh, era coming through and social media, now that's like 20 times before someone's going to do that same technical side to it. So having the branding out there, your branding is consistently being put out there, but not necessarily in a silly way. And your consistency with your branding that when someone keeps seeing it, keeps seeing it, keeps seeing it, and then sees information that's useful to them, when they decide to step out of that, that informational research stage and go, right, I want to sell my house or want to listen, I want to let my house out. They've already got an association with the branding on who to use. Um, so on one of the things you were saying there, where it's gone from four or five times to 20 times. What, why do you think that is? Or why, why is that just purely because we're exposed to so much more? Yeah, it's, advertising? The, it's, the, it's the brain training itself to not be overwhelmed. It's, it goes back to the whole primal instinct. So it's yeah. like we see more and more advertising we ever have done before in, our, in the park. The fact that we can walk around with our mobile phone in our pocket, it's a little computer and we're constantly glued to it. The brain's got to the point where it's almost put up various levels to say you can take more information in but like until you reach the roughly to this stage that's when it starts to be exposed out there a bit more to them and that's where someone's like okay i'm happy to reach out and have that information because people can collect information now whereas before in the past yeah had to get someone around to provide the information for them yeah very interesting and if you look at yeah, the psychology side it's really interesting so go back to go back to an estate and see branding looking at that a lot your boards how you do your artwork how you present your stuff online the brain won't look at it if it's too silly yeah a lot of informational based it will take the information and find it useful but remember basically like where that came from whether that is your logo or familiarity with your coloring yeah and on that point you've just made there as well, and leading back to what you said right at the start of the podcast about go and find buyers yeah. and help them find uh, somewhere else. I see a lot of lifecycle users, um, clients uh, using heads up property alerts, right? Yeah. And and can you talk to us about like success metrics with with that and and how it's differentiated your clients in in the market we found ourselves in the last two years? Yeah. So I'll give you a great one. Um... The, anal the analytics of clients who have done this properly, so they're setting up proper strat strategic campaigns like Google ads, Facebook yeah. ads, and going back to the consistency of telling the market why registering was different, Yeah, using the word indifferent. So you know what it's like. If you had an advert just said register bus a day and a state agent can say register bus a day and it doesn't sound any different, so you have yeah. to tell stories that makes the reasons why registering with you is different. So there's two parts to it. The convenience of someone registering into your database was one thing which we've seen 
a massive increase because someone can do it at 11 o'clock at night on their sofa without having to speak to an agent. And as much as you could be the best estate agent in the world and offering that service, 10 years ago, they might have had a really bad experience from the estate agent and think estate agents are all scummy because that's yeah. what, you know, me and you both have been on that side of the market. And that's what generally some people come up to until they actually start to use one that's actually decent. So there's a lot of fear factor into if I call up this agent and register them, I'm going to get hounded because I might have a property to sell. The ability to register with someone at your convenience in the safety of your home without actually having to engage with a brand yet is very much easier. So that's one part is the convenience. The two part, which we found really interesting, and this is no discredit to our clients, when someone registers online, there's six fundamental questions that are asked. They're, they are compulsory questions for someone to register online. We've kept it, apart from like four of them, two of them are compulsory in the in branch. And what we found is staffing in branch only are answering those two questions out of the six, and the public are actually answering more questions. They're giving more information to a form because they feel more comfortable in being in a house providing information. And that's really good information, like, whether they've got when their timescales are, yeah. uh, why, they're, why they're moving, uh, what their what their reasons are for moving, whether they've got a property to sell, whether they've got mortgage requirements, all that sort of side to it. So that's the second part, the co collecting of the data to give you a deeper understanding of your client is there. And then the third part, what we've analysed from clients doing that really well is that they're registering about 50% more of their data directly into the database than they are from right move Zuplin on the market together. So what used to be the game of put a property online, find the buyers, yeah, speak to those people, see if they've got properties to sell. Now you can be bypassing that. You haven't got to put a property on the market. You can just say, if you keep missing out on properties and getting frustrated, here's a story from how we managed to help this person buy this property before it went to the market. Register with us today. Yeah. See it before anyone else. And, and so people are registering, they're seeing the convenience, they're registering into a database and then the agents collect more data than maybe their competitors down the road. I think a good example um, off the top of my head, you mentioned him before we hit the cord, but Chris Ellis and Ryan Dennis at Harrison's Homes in Sittingbourne, like they sell so many properties away from the portals and I see their heads up alert. About 60% of their properties they're selling now pre-portal. And and I and and I think there's an argument out there which frustrates me when some agents sit on like LinkedIn and they go, oh, but if you sold it before it's gone uh, to the portal, how do you know you got the most amazing price? I think if you looked at, I think on Harrison's website, it's insane what percentage of asking price they get. Yeah. I they absolutely kill it. So that's um, a really really good example there. Some of the language you used, uh, I really really I wrote it down. I was like, that's that makes a hell of a lot of sense. When you talked about fear factor, convenience, safety, that like, I think we forget as we're so engrossed in a state agency like land that if someone doesn't move, you know, on average, let's say every 18 years at the moment, that's a nervy thing. Yeah. Like I, this is, this is going to sound utterly ridiculous considering like I would have gone and done a thousands of market appraisals in my time. But I don't know if you said to me, go get your hair cut in a different barber today on the high street, I'd be a bit yeah. like, Oh, oh, I don't know about walking into a new barber. Like, Oh, I, I, I yeah. don't know what they're like. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. For someone to ring up an estate agent email, they might have had a bad experience before. So I really like what you said about it's a form that they're completing at their at their convenience. They feel safe. There's less fear there. And someone uh, had said on a Sam and Mark's podcast uh, a few months ago, people transact best when they feel relaxed. 
Yeah. Because they will have that barrier up, won't they? Like, you know, like, again, you're back in a state agent hot seat and you say to someone, uh, what have you done thus far about, you know, funding your purchase? And they're like, here we go. I'm going to get absolutely mortgage. booted for a mortgage. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thinking, what can I say? Because this is a fifth estate agent this weekend. who's asked me that kind of open question. So when you're just doing it in a form, and again, it's a form isn't there to replace your stations. It's there to empower them, right? They've got that yeah. information so they can go, oh, brilliant. I Thanks can now go and help these people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the great, great one is that when you look at the database, about 30, 35% of people actually registered with an estate agent using that form have said that I've got, I've had no mortgage advice. They're openly telling that estate agent I've had, and even just a simple uh, automation into saying booking directly with a candy link, clients are now getting, for every, say, 100 clients from that, they're getting 10 to 15 mortgage appointments being booked. People are booking in themselves. So it's removing that uh, restricted barrier and actually just people going, Here's a bit of information, guidance. I haven't had the advice yet. I'm going to book him and that person because of the convenience of it. It's going back to like, looking. you've got to look at people and outside of our industry. So I've had a similar conversation with my brother about he's got a restaurant, really, really good restaurant, but he's getting bogged down with people booking in. He had like this amazing write-up two weeks ago and then his, like, his website traffic like 10 times increased within one day from that part. Um, so then he's now like trying to register people in. They want to book in the tables. And now I've said to him, like, get you need to get a table plan. So people just book in and register because that's what the world's going like. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't remove traditional estate agency. What it does is it helps you identify the people who are ready to transact with you and also the people who are still information collecting and not yet ready for that. So it goes back to that old ways of remember the days where we used to have those, I'm just curious, I want more details. And that person gets the details and then and then you try and call them up and you ever hear from them again. You think, oh, waster. Mm-hmm. And then you see that property come on the market in about a year down the line. And those are people when they're information collecting and they're just gathering about what type of property they can buy, where they might want to live, all that sort of side to it. So those people might come up to those viewings, you know, those viewings you had, and then you try and get the feedback and they ghost you. And then they come back about six months later. Yeah, It's just they're in that information collecting stage. Yeah, they're in research mode as opposed to yeah. real estate mode. And um, there's there's a couple of things I, I want to break down there. And um, I was desperately going onto my phone when you were saying um, about your brother's restaurant because uh, I listened to uh, an episode of um, Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett recently. It was with uh, Rory Sutherland, the author of Alchemy, who yeah. I, I've never, ever come across. At times, I thought he was a little bit of a, a difficult listen and people might be listening to this podcast and that's Rich Simon because your voice is really annoying. Hopefully, I don't think that. Uh, but listening to what he said, um, it made me, uh, hearing what you said made me think back to it because he talked about uh, taxis. And he said, you know, you look at a typical black cab back in the day, they have to go do the knowledge and they know London like the back of their hand. Da, 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 brilliant. He said Pete, the reason Uber had been successful, variety of different reasons. But one, he said, was you literally see the map and it's showing you where the taxi is, how long it's going to be. Whereas if you ordered a taxi for a phone online back in the day, it was you're uncertain. You had no idea. They said it was 10 minutes away. But yeah, but how, how do we know that? Like, what about traffic and stuff like that? So it's really interesting hearing what he said um, about uh, that. And then on the other bit, you just put uh, said about info collection. I think I've seen you post about this before, um, Rob. In, and you said about those people who do a viewing, go shoot, blah, blah, blah. But instant valuation tools. Yeah. Do you not have some data on or facts on 
what percentage of people like fill in an instant vowel tool to when they come to market? Have I seen you speak yeah, about so that before? About, it's an average about nine months. Okay. So when you look at the average side to it, when you look at that instant valuation, for every one day that you call up that random person, which is the crisis sale, and they go, right, I need you to come around, and you go and list it, you're talking someone's 18 months away. So um, the 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 view I have it, uh, which I which I put on a, one of my lessons in digitization of estancy, was like I said, you, you need to view your instant valuations as equivalent to an airport. Right. So basically... Everyone goes to the air, an airport and they go on different journeys. So one's gone a short haul, one's gone a long haul, one's going skiing, one's gone the sun sunshine, one's gone hiking. So when you do your instant valuation, you can't shoehorn them now into one particular journey because someone might be a family moving, someone might be looking to sell their investment, someone might be looking to sell for the first time and are really nervous. You have to see that when they come to you as a brand, you've got. 18 months potentially to influence someone, but you can't make a decision on, and push them down a journey that they're going to automatically list with you because that's just fabricated. Anyone trying to tell you that you've got this perfect nurse uh, that's yeah. going to convert 100 people, it's just like they're just trying to sell you a product. Yeah. What you have to look at it is that it's a continuous flow. Like an airport, there's continuous people flowing through there and traveling, flowing through there and traveling. So you have to look at that. The instant valuation tool or any lead generation is in, they're going to come onto your into your airport. They're going to be doing different waiting times and they go on different journeys. So how far could you go on that journey? What information can you give them? So when they decide to drop out of it, you're the agent of choice because you've been there on that journey with them. And do, do you see it or have you seen it over the years of those agents who do just do the ring up? No, we're not ready. Or they send an email and then that's it. They're not, they don't yeah. speak to that person again. And nine months down the line, it's gone on with the other agent because that instant bow tool, that agent there has actually then nurtured that relationship. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. So we actually have a change in psychology of clients. They come to us originally, they go, right, instant valuation, I've got to call them up through. Hmm. And then and then after a while, they start to realise that that's not the right journey. Going back to the whole exposure effect, someone might be going, here, I want a little bit of information from you. And that's when you nurture them. So... That's when you almost retarget them with particular things. So like, you know, for example, I've got clients to run campaigns at the beginning of the year saying like how to sell your home by summer 2022. Yeah. And then they put it out to those particular audiences. So those audiences highlighted those people who are timescale driven and you know they're looking to sell. So then those are the sort of people you would reach out to rather than reach out to every single person because one person you might be reaching out to and they could be automatically turned off by you because they filled out a form on Facebook and then all of a sudden they get a call five minutes later saying, do you want to, do you want to come around sell your house and et cetera? And everything, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, yeah, I'm in the safety zone of my own research stage. So just leave me to it. Um, but the beauty of when you start to see clients track over longer periods of time, I've got clients who are literally converting people from 2018, 2019. Wow. And they are people who have done nothing with them for a year, just reading a newsletter. And that could just be even opening up a newsletter, not even reading the blogs. And then you start to see them read one particular piece and then two particular pieces. And then you start to see them engage more and more and more and more to the point they're calling up their agent going, can you come around and list my house? Like there's no competition because they've been exposed and they've been. They yeah. need to have content. They need to have an identity. You need to have an information. You need to have that strategies in place that you're regularly speaking to those people and communicating with them. 
No, I love that. And I I had a, a a demonstration for home search last week, I think it was, with a 10 branch estate agency. And uh it was a classic invisible audience uh where they just sent me a message on LinkedIn saying, need to have a chat um about you and, and home search and what you can do for us. Never liked, commented, messaged, engaged on anything I'd posted, uh, and then just came out the blue. And that was just from adding value to you know rather than just you know cold calling someone um and saying oh, I, I want to sell you something because again that's entering into their safety zone i really like that language you use their safety zone yeah definitely you'd be surprised how many people sit on the outside of the fence engaging in themselves within it without having to like a comment on a brand yeah yeah uh, so just even an unopened up email you never know, you don't understand the power of just that going out to someone, the consistency of them seeing something regular, just a little bit of your brand in each month, each month, each month. Just on your point there, actually, unopened email. Uh, I subscribe to a lot of different emails, both industry related and, and not. And you just made me think then, there's actually certain people whose emails I, I subscribe to and they come through and I purposely don't open it because I'm like, ah, oh, that's going to be my reading on, yeah. said day so like even even if i haven't opened it i've still seen it and i've seen a subject line i'm like right i'm not going to open that because i'm not ready to digest that right now that's going to be my monday evening reading yeah so yeah 100 and it also it comes back to that whole journey like mark mark uh, my boss mark was saying to an agent the other day about that he said like someone says i get a, a load of um stuff around he says name me something to come in the new email box and he's like oh these particular running trainers he's like okay he's like do you need them right now he's like no okay he goes but if when you decide to change your running trainers what happened if the they broke what would you do he goes i'd go back to the email and find that company and speak to that company because i get regular consistent stuff from them so it, it, it there's a lot of agents who will sometimes come to me and they say to me like what's the open rates stuff yeah, yeah. click through rates and being obsessed about it and it's like well when you look at that whole exposure effect like just that's one little touch to them yeah yeah definitely right we're coming towards the end of the podcast i mean there's some great value uh in that for listeners but we're going to delve a little bit deeper into rob brady uh the brain now um so a few quick fire questions but before i just jump into that to, to end the podcast you are a massive learner yeah, uh, and helper both inside and outside this industry. Where does that, where does that come from? Like, have you always had that that eagerness to learn and to help, or is it something that's grown over time? Um, so I've got uh, an ADHD brain. Okay. Um, so I can suck in information and work on multiple projects in any one time with pure energy. So that allows me to have an open learning school. So I've managed to craft my ADHD brain into understanding that. So sucking in learning, when to say no to particular learning. Uh, for me, I think it's all about personal growth. And that's my personal interest in that element to it. So it just goes hand in hand. I think um, you're either learning or you're growing. And that's simpler. You're never failing in your life. You just either go into something, you learn from it, and you grow from that learning, or you're consistently growing from that. Um, with regards to helping... I don't know where that came from. I think it's just come a natural part to me and it comes to it no different than probably what you're, you probably have similar ideologies and beliefs within that part mm. to it. Fact of like just making an impact in this world. And that could be something so small to someone, but that could be a complete change of direction and where their business goes or who they are as a company. Um, 
And I think that's where I get my energy from. I just feel like, I don't know, I looked at it, I look at it from the basis of when you pass away and you've got a funeral, are you rich with the money in your bank? Are you the rich amount of people that turn up to your funeral? Mm. The impact you've made in their life. And I've seen some amazing people out there who've filled out cathedrals and are being a part of that. And that's what makes that human person special. So just going out there and making like small impacts of the day, making a change in life, just whether that's just a smile down someone's street, but ultimately doing it as a work career, it's great. Yeah, love it. Right, okay. Uh, to end with um, a few quick fire questions based on you being very much open-minded and growth mindset. So for those who say just listening, if you had to recommend one book that they should be reading, what's one book you'd recommend? I think for me personally, it's got to be the Goggins can't hurt me. Yeah, I know it sounds. I know it sounds like completely out there, but that was a fundamental change in uh, me running my my ability to do what I do, my focus. Uh, there's loads of little gems in there which you can take around because to unlock business, you have to look first at the psychology of you as a business owner and what are your uh fundamentals are your triggers and that sort of side to it but ultimately like wash your cookie jar and everything that's within that book so yeah. great book if you want something that's gonna get you up and going and start running like i do most days love that right podcast what's one yeah. podcast a state agent should be listening to um i've always liked the diary of a ceo but if that one um is used quite a lot i i like the Kerwin ray unbreakable Okay. Uh, so Karen Ray's a New Zealand guy. So he's he's he talks around business business and personal development growth. So very much similar to what I enjoy. Uh, but he's got such a variety of different people out there. Um, from people who, you know, someone who's come out of jail and came a kinesthetics world champion, whether it is kinesthetics world champion, to people who are like harnessing the ADHD brain, uh, like people who talk about flow in sports. So such a variety, but you can take away little gems for individual episodes out there love that cool um right one person people should be um observing this could be in and outside the industry so it could be from podcast to youtube uh to emails like who's one person people should should take inspiration from um i'm going to keep it inside the industry and i'm going to say ian mcbeth yeah good chat uh because ian and i've known each other for a couple of years now I like his commitment to his family time, which yeah. is great. And his focus on that and how he's raising his children, but also from what model he's bringing into the industry as well. Um, I think it's different to most self-employed models out there and how the team, how his company set it up and how they market stuff. Like it puts them head and shoulders above the rest in most areas that they're operating in and how just they present properties online how they're different the fact of like being bold enough to come to the industry and call yourself avocado properties and wear <laughs> cookies, like it goes yeah. against every single grain of what traditional estate agency was all about with shirts ties suits everyone looks the same so um yeah i i, I think if anyone's looking at any of his partners you're looking at what they do and how they do it yeah agreed i had um... a, podcast, a podcast studio i mean yeah i have a podcast studio as an, in the, as an, as an agent like he, uh, yeah, he he has ripped up the rule book and I love it. I ha I uh, as we we're saying again off air, I um recorded an episode with him. Um I I, fe <laughs> I felt terrible because I was I was running behind and I was in a uh, Costa Coffee and Ian was there with all this like swanky like 
<laughs> recording shit. I was like, Ian, we can rearrange this, but I'm very much a dumb beats perfect. It's like, no, let's crack on with it. And like the the value he brought uh, was absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. Right, uh, two questions uh, to end on. So over my shoulder here, uh, yeah. I've got six posters on the wall, and they're actually from the High Performance Podcast High Performance shop. Podcast. Yeah, 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 I recognise them. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of quotes, and I know you're uh, a fan of High Performance Podcasts, um, and I think you're a big fan of quotes. So if there's one quote you'd like to share with listeners, what would it be? Uh, I've got it actually on a page I'm about I'm building at the moment and it just says become the person you deserve to be nice and uh, that's reflective on work personal life you have to look at yourself and go am I deserving of right now and what do I need to do to become that person I deserve to be I don't don't look back in 20 30 years down the line and think oh I wish I'd taken that chance yeah and become that person I always wanted to be love that so you've given give really, really, uh, I think, sound advice there, which leads nicely into the last question, which is, what's the best piece of advice you think you've ever been given? Oh, um, when I first started my career, there was a guy called Ron Woodward, and he had just sold up his business. I worked in insurance, and he had just sold up his business uh, to a like a larger company and he was there as like a head figure and he used to come in with like a little cravat on flamboyant like father christmas <laughs> and i said to him like how have you built up this massive business just from this small office in herne bay and he just said always be authentic in business and he just said and be true to yourself because when you go home like you can't be someone outside of work and someone inside of work and just wear your heart on your sleeve um and he was probably the most biggest impact mentor-wise for me in my really early stages of my career. So I looked back and I thought, like, be your authentic self in social media and be your authentic self in work and be your authentic self in front of your customers because that authenticity is is clear and precise. People can see that and people can recognise that. And equally, at the same time, there's never any conflict internally with yourself. Yeah. Love that. And it, I think it's, it shows how powerful that advice is because you're saying it was right at the start of your career. So it stuck with you all that time. Absolutely. There's there's two things uh, which stick with me in my career. One was when I was 16 doing work experience. And I said to a lady in the estate agents, I said, what's one piece of advice you'd give to, you know, a naive wet behind the ear 16 year old in a state agency? Because I really wanted to get into it. And she went, always tell the truth. Now, it sounds really, really basic. Uh, but considering the lack of trust people have in estate agents, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. And then the other one was, I was just about to start running a branch. And I said to a guy who'd been doing it longer than I've been born, I said, what's one piece of advice you can give me? And he said, always look three months ahead. And yeah. at the time, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? How is that going to help me tomorrow yeah. when I start at this branch? And literally within like a few months, I was like, ah, I get it now because, you know, it had a great exchange month, but the law of replacement wasn't there. I, I'd, I'd forgot to prospect <laughs> yeah. when I was getting all those exchanges. From. I was like, ah, that's what he meant. So um yeah. no that's why i want to ask what what's the, the best piece of advice because i think there's there's certain bits that stick with us for a, for a very long time and we can then impart that wisdom on others i think the the honest part is so so it's very as you say it's so simple but it's very like i don't know when you're that truthful you can wear your heart on your sleeve your brand represents that and then you find the particular type of clients who want that as well you know that shafty landlord and that shaft <laughs> seller and you think oh, i don't really like him they're a bit of a bit of a knob 
but I'm just going to do business with them. You know, like four or five months down the line, they're going to give you hell or they're going to try and get your fee cut. So like, if you can be your authentic, true self, yeah. and even in some cases being true, saying, I don't think you're the right client for us. Like, sorry, that empowers you. You walk away from it, but you don't get that aggravation a few months down the line. So yeah, sound advice. Yeah, so authenticity, honesty, and always looking ahead as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Stuff. I think that's uh, a really good place to end the podcast with those three pieces of advice. So uh, on behalf of all the listeners, Rob, I want to say thank you very much for being such an amazing guest. No worries, mate.